I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we've got plenty to discuss. We're going to be discussing the new away kit. It's pretty bad, isn't it? Not my cup of tea. We'll be bringing you up to speed with what's going on out in the United States. We'll be talking Balogun, Pepe. We'll be talking Arteta on rice and... Has Mikel Arteta hinted at further incomings ahead of the closure of the transfer window? We'll have to get into that as well and see what we think. Right, let's do this then. Let's talk all things Arsenal. Tried something different there with the kind of intro music thing on the live streaming software. I have no idea how it sounded to you guys. I had music in my ears but I don't know how it came out. So <laughs> if it was a shit show, if it was a disaster, uh, I apologize in advance for that. I was trying it. I'm not going to know how it sounded until I listen back uh, to the show a little bit later on, and then I'll figure out whether it's something we want to do going forward or not. Uh, William Salibak uh, says, uh, it was good. James says, fancy new music. I'll take that. It means it didn't drive you insane. I, I wanted that little bit of music in the in the build-up, you know, at the start of the show when you're trying to set the scene and sort of um, explain what's coming up in the program and uh, and get people kind of, I guess, semi-hyped about what it is that you're going to talk about. You need a bit of a bed of music, don't you? Since sort of doing a lot of radio stuff, I've found that when you want to really prop something up, you need a bed, a bed of music in the background. If you don't have it, then it can be quite difficult. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's something we can add moving forward. But I was sort of controlling it and all that live. We don't post-edit this show, remember. We literally take it in its YouTube live form and then we publish it. So what I'm trying to do is do all of these things as well as possible, but to a point where I then don't need to go out and edit it afterwards because otherwise that will impact on how many shows we get out and all the rest of it. Uh, Ravel in the chat says, uh, Harry, learn to respond to some of us's questions. I respond to loads of questions, man. What are you talking about? Um, keep them coming in and I'll get to as many as I can during the show. I promise you. Uh, sometimes I miss some because there are plenty coming through all of the time. Uh, but yeah, get one in and I'll, I'll keep an eye out, um, for you in this show, my friend. Uh, right. Let's say a few hellos before we dive into the big talking points today. We're going to say hello to Junior Gunner, Femi, Jimmy, Blackshine, Paul Nell, William Salibak, the Italian Stallion. Melanie's with us. Uh, James, Steve, Thierry Henry, apparently. Uh, Mr. E, we've got uh, Jimmy Flo. Uh, we've got Ravel. We've got James. We've got Daniel. We've got Trev Creambone. Uh, we've got Terry Grant. Uh, we've got Mafia Boss. We've got Wandering Minstrel. And if I've missed anyone, I do apologize. Uh, but I will um, crack on with the show now because they're just conscious. I've been rambling for a little bit of a while. Right. So what are we going to discuss today? Well, let's start off then with the new away kit. Oh, man. Uh, the less said about this kit for me, the better. Um, I normally see kits in their kind of early stage, as in prior to them being released. And I normally make my mind up almost instantly as to whether I like it or not. But then what I try and do is I try and wait till I see the team actually wearing the kit because 
a lot of the time I've seen kits sort of in this stage, what we're looking at now, which is the whole, you know, I don't know, the promotion stage. And then I think, oh, I don't really like that. And then the players wear it. And I think actually that was nowhere near as bad as maybe my first impression of it was. But even factoring that in, I just can't see how I'm going to like this one, how I'm going to get on board with this one. I really, 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 I'm sorry. I really don't like it. Um, you know, I understand that there is some idea behind this, that there's some sort of context behind this. Um, you know, the whole lines thing is is supposed to be a pattern that represents a map out of Islington or something like that. I, that's what I read. I don't really get it. It just looks like wavy lines to me. Um, I don't like the main color as it is. But the bit I think that really is strange to me and makes zero sense is the color of the badge. Why is our badge in blue? And why is the Adidas logo in blue? Why is the sponsor in blue? None of it makes any sense to me. Paul Nell says in the chat that it reminds him of the United third kit from the 2021 season that was zebra striped. That has got to go down as one of the worst kits in football history. I remember exactly the one you're talking about because a mate of mine who's a Manchester United fan, he was celebrating his birthday around the time that kit was released. And a few of us chipped in uh, to get it for him with his name on the back and all the rest of it. And and the, half of the reason we, we bought it for him was because it was so shit and it was so bad. And we wanted to make him wear it and then poke fun at him. And we've gone and done something very, very similar. What I will say is Man United have released an equally bad kit this season as well, uh, which I saw a little bit uh, earlier on today. Some of you have suggested to me on social media that there's a scientific reason behind the colour of this kit. Now, if you think back to when we first started to see loads of fluorescent colours um, in goalkeeping kits, we used to be told that what it was was a, a deliberate thing because if you're a striker, you're running through on goal and you've only got an opportunity to look and glance up and the goalkeeper's trying to make himself big. Being in a fluorescent colour, supposedly, gives off the illusion that the goalkeeper is bigger than he actually is. Because as a striker, you're only glancing up very, very quickly and all the rest of it. Is is there something along those lines in this idea to produce a kit of this colour? I mean, I'm really, really clutching here, aren't I? Um, but look, bottom line is I don't like it. I, I, I don't think I'll ever like it. Um, when you compare this kit to the black one of last season, which for me was one of my top three Arsenal away kits of all time. In fact, my top three Arsenal kits of all time. This is such a come down. Now I'm going to give Adidas the benefit of the doubt here because generally speaking, they've been really, really good with the kits. But this one for me is a no-go. Um, I, I might be buying it because, you know, I, I do that and I'm a sucker for these things, but I, I won't be wearing it anywhere. It will just be one of those ones that goes uh, into your uh, into your cupboard and becomes a part of your collection. You're not going to catch me walking down the streets of North London with that on my back, I don't think. Is this one of those kits that could become iconic in that it isn't very popular at the moment? And I, I haven't found a single Arsenal fan that I've spoken to or come across online today that has been complimentary of this kit, which says a lot, doesn't it? There's not even people sitting on the fence. It's literally just a bad kit. That's the way it's been taken. But I, I think back to the bruised banana kit. Now, I remember people telling me, because I, I don't remember when the bruised banana kit came out, 
But I remember people telling me sort of later on, years and years after um, the sort of Anfield 89 thing, that the bruised banana kit was met with a very, very similar response, was met with a bad response. Nobody really liked it. But because of what Arsenal achieved in that kit and because of what happened in that kit, it became iconic. And now it's one of the most loved kits and iconic kits that Arsenal have ever had in the eyes of many. So is there a chance that, you know, for example, let's just throw it out there. Arsenal go on and win the Premier League this season. Go on and win the Champions League. Is there a chance that this kit goes from literally zero to hero status? Like, is there a chance that this kit goes from being disliked by everybody pretty much to being revered? And, and it's one that we might see worn 20 years down the line by fans walking around. I don't know. I don't know. Let's take some of your uh, thoughts on the kit in the live chat. Um, uh, Travis says, I like the new away kit more than most of our past third kits. See, I think some of the third kits are crap. I, I agree with you, but they're third kits. So you're not going to wear them that much and they're not home or away. It almost feels like something they're doing as a bit of a token gesture because that's the way of modern football these days. And so I don't really pay too much attention to the third kits. What I will say is that this year, the green third kit that we've seen lots of pictures of and leaks of is better, in my opinion, than this kit. So I'd actually quite like it if, and I know it's not going to happen, but if we swap them round, if we made the green one the away kit and made this uh, the third kit, I don't know. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Travis says, I like this kit. Wow. Um, the first positive comment I've seen about it, literally, uh, literally. Uh, Steve Hester says, to be fair, though, the black shirt last season was class. It absolutely was. It absolutely was. Uh, Patrick says, your away kits have to be bright or dark. Last season was dark. This season is bright. Um, Slingshot Dave says, love the black kit last season. If we win the league this season, then this kit will become uh, iconic. Justin says a rare loss for Adidas on this kit. It's not great, but they've made so many nice kits. So they're forgiven. Fair. Uh, BX Gunner says uh, this kit looks like they let a three-year-old design it on an iPad. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't even disagree with that. I don't even disagree with that. Uh, Matt G says art is subjective. True. True. It's a good point. It's a good point. Although I don't know that you can even put this in the category of art, can you? Isn't that a bit insulting to art as a concept? I don't know. Uh, Asru says this kit is trash and a joke. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's not nice. It's not nice. Um, Jean Rene says, I don't like the kit, but I have to admit, since the video, it's growing on me slowly. The video is fantastic. If you haven't seen it already, there is a video uh, that the club have put out here. You'll be able to get a little, hold on a second. Let me mute that before I get done for copyright. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to see the video sort of rolling uh, in the background here. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, there's an incredible video, to be fair. Uh, it features Saka, it features Odegaard, it features Martinelli briefly. I think Saliba's in it too. A few famous faces as well, uh, which is pretty cool. Um yeah, it's a great video. There's no there's no question about the video. And, you know, these release videos are great. And and actually, the Adidas videos seem to be better than the club ones at the moment in a lot of ways. I loved, absolutely loved the video that Adidas put out 
um, on uh, Declan Rice when he signed the, the the sort of announcement video that they dropped. I thought was was brilliant. I really really loved it. Uh, but anyway, that's where we're at on the kit. It is what it is. Nobody can do anything about it. I'm sure this one's not going to sell out like the black one did. This is one that if it does ever sell out, will sell out in the future if it goes on to become iconic because we managed to achieve something uh, massive in it. But anyway, uh, let's bring you up to date with the rest of the latest Arsenal news. Uh, let's take a very short pause and then we'll dive into the rest of the topics. OK, let's do it then. Let's uh, move on. Uh, Martin Odegaard is back in light training. Having missed the game against Nuremberg through injury, he pulled out, obviously, at the last minute. He was due to start that game and then felt a little something, so had to pull out. It was just light training that Martin Odegaard took a part in, but he is expected to be available to play some role in the game against the MLS All-Stars, which is coming up very, very soon. Leandro Trossard back in training too. He, remember, of course, went off in the game against Nuremberg with an injury, but seems to be okay. Let's talk following Balogun because Inter, it seems, are going to push even harder now to get a deal done for the US men's national team striker. Why, I hear you ask. Well, if there was any chance of the Romelu Lukaku deal being revived, remember, Romelu Lukaku is in limbo at the moment. He's returning back to London from what we understand. Uh, he is, of course, officially and technically a Chelsea player, but it looked like uh, a few days ago, even, that Romelu Lukaku was headed back to Inter. He'd spoken throughout his time back at the Italian Giants of his desire to to play there and, you know, of how sort of much he, um, you know, appreciates the surroundings at San Siro and, and what Inter is as a football club. And, and he's very, very often spoken about what it means to him. But he seems to have upset a few people um, of a Nerazzurri persuasion. Now, of course, uh, he has been in talks with Juventus, which was discovered by Inter uh, a few days ago. And he has seen Inter uh, get incredibly frustrated, angry, disappointed um, at the whole situation. And essentially, by the looks of it, pull the plug on any deal for Romelu Lukaku, turning their attention elsewhere. Now, if you needed any sort of evidence of how serious this offence of speaking to Juventus is seen in the eyes of the Inter fans. Well, uh, the Curva Nord, which is the ultras group at Inter, have released a statement and they've said this. We will never see each other again. You have betrayed all of us. We always defended you in difficult moments and now you've stabbed us in the back. You are selling yourself to the highest bidder after kissing our badge. You are not a real man. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that is uh, that is the end for Romelu Lukaku's chances, you would feel, of going back to Inter. Apparently, Juve are the front runners to sign him now, but it's dependent on what happens with Dusan Vlavic. So we're going to have to uh, wait and see how that develops. But um, the reason I bring this up is because I think this does have a knock-on effect and this could potentially impact what happens with our player following Balogun, who, of course, is being linked with a move to Italy uh, to play uh, at centre forward. Now, uh, yesterday, uh, following Balogun spoke to the media um, and my colleague in the United States at 90 Min, Lizzie Besharano, uh, asked him a question 
about joining Milan. We played a clip out on the show yesterday. Uh, I'm going to play the clip again for those of you that haven't heard it or seen it. He starts off by talking about the US uh, women's national team, who of course take part in the World Cup, which kicks off in a couple of days' time. But then Lizzie uh, asked him the question about his future. She asked him whether he was interested in a move to Milan. And let's just say, following Balogun, didn't exactly Fantastic. deny it. Uh, for US soccer, I mean, this is what... Uh... This is what needs to happen. I think it's going to become bigger, as I said from the beginning. This is just the start for your soccer. I definitely think uh, the future's bright, so I'm sure they'll bring a lot of attention, and it's just about retaining them. What do you think about the league as a, as a whole? Is maybe MLS in the plans somewhere at some point in your career? I mean, yeah, I'm still quite young, but uh, so I'm sure uh, like my focus for now is in Europe and trying to just do the best I can. But uh, I'm sure you never know what could happen in football. I'm sure at the end of my career or towards the end, uh, it might be an option. Uh, and you never know the direction it could go. And if it becomes bigger, you never know what could happen. So Nations League was obviously your debut with the U.S. men's national team. What went through your mind when you were putting on that jersey? Yeah, I mean, I was so proud, you know. Even thinking about it now, I just overwhelmed with emotion. It was such a fantastic time for me. Probably the best, the best month of my, my life, you know, not even my career, my life. Just met so many new people. Um, the experience in general to play in front of um, the home fans, it was amazing. And then of course the winner, it's just fantastic. The Women's World Cup starts this week. Uh, any who you're supporting? I mean, obviously you play for the US national team, you're probably supporting the US. Do you pay a lot of attention to, to that women's soccer tournament? Uh, I mean, goes without saying, of course, they'll have my support. Um, before, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to um, just women's football in general. I think uh, I've just genuinely just gravitated towards watching men's football. But I mean, it's becoming bigger and definitely I'm going to be uh, paying attention to it. Okay, um, so obviously there's a lot of talk of a move to AC Milan and a summer transfer window. Are you looking for that move or fighting for a place on this team? To be honest, I mean, um, I was away for the year, so I'm just back. I'm obviously just focused on pre-season with the team. Uh, it's nice to see everyone, uh, the staff, but I'm really just focused here. And uh, of course, my agent and my family are dealing with this. And now, obviously, you're playing with the U.S. men's national team. You're playing against, with a lot of these players, and now you're against them at the MLS All-Star. How are you feeling about facing former team members? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's a new chapter for me. Um, so nice to just uh, be back here. And I mean, uh, definitely, I'm sure I'll see some of the players uh, that was at the Nations League for my first tournament. And I'm sure I'll say hi to them and we'll catch up. What did you guys make of that? Sorry that, that I had to run the entire clip. I was trying to figure out how to skip through uh, the beginning of it while we were live streaming and I couldn't work it out uh, at the time. So you had to listen to a bit of chat about uh, the US men's national team and all the rest of it as well. Not saying that that stuff's not important, but of course, our priority here is the mighty Arsenal. And it, it, it took a little bit of time for that clip to get to the point where following Balogun was asked about whether or not he's interested in a move to Milan or if he's wanting to fight for a place in this team. I'm interested to get you guys' reactions on that because I didn't see that as someone who's 100% committed to Arsenal. Um, now, you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe it's wrong to cast the judgment on somebody who, you know, has literally spoken there for, what, a couple of minutes. You know, you don't know the person. You don't know the ins and outs. You don't know the conversation that's gone on between him and Mikel Arteta, him and any potential new football clubs, et cetera, et cetera. But just listening to that, I didn't get the impression that this is someone who 
is desperate to to earn a place at Arsenal. And we've seen players come in lately. Like, look at Declan Rice, right, when he's come in the door. Just the way he speaks, his whole demeanour, all of it. You get the impression that he's delighted to be there. And, and to a point, we've come to a place as Arsenal Football Club now where we should only be interested in players that really want to be here. We've progressed. We've moved forward. We've... You know, we've we've got to a point where we are very, very competitive again. And I just find this a little bit, I don't know, like he, he kind of said, well, you know, my my sort of family, my agent are dealing with that. And it's a bit like, well, you're the guy that they're working for, mate. So you should probably have a say in where you end up and all the rest of it. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see uh, what you guys um, have to say on this. Uh, what have we got? Um let me see. Uh, Luke says, I was all up for trying to make it work with Balogun, but he seems to think he should automatically start for us. And I think it would be a problem if he isn't. Regrettably, I'd sell him. Uh, BX Gunner says, Balogona. Um, BX Gunner also goes on to say he has one foot already out of the door. Uh, Matt G says he's bluffing. Uh, what else have we got? Thomas says he's going to leave. Uh, what else have we got? Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, Paul Nell says, sell this man. Uh, Leslie says, I think people are taking it the wrong way. He wants to play, but he was asked about MLS and just made it clear that Europe is better and where he wants to play. That could include Arsenal as well. Um, what else have we got? Steve says, not sure he wants to be at Arsenal. Some of you comparing uh, him to uh, Lord Bentner uh, of the past in the way that he sort of rates himself and all the rest of it. Uh, Wandering Minstrel says uh, he's looking for a move if the money speaks. Johan says he knows he's leaving if the right offer comes along. Graham says he's a smart ass and full of BS. Let's get some money. He's no Arsenal man. I'll tell you what, I, I'm I'm not going to sit here and, and throw mud at following Balogun off the back of that interview. I will say that to me, it wasn't convincing in that I never came away from, from seeing that yesterday and thinking, oh, well, yeah, you are committed. A better response would have been, look, you know, I'm here. I'm back at the club. I've been away for a year. I'm focused on sort of showing people what I can do. And ultimately, there will have to be conversations with the club, with the manager, with my agent, with my family. Um, if an opportunity comes along. But for for now, I'm here, I'm focused. He could have shut the move talk down without shutting it down behind the scenes, if that makes sense. Because now, whatever happens with following Balogun, there's going to be that doubt around his commitment. So if he stays at the club and he doesn't play very well, people are going to go, well, he's not committed. He doesn't want to be here anyway. Like sort of as a default position, that's where people will go to. And I don't want that, you know? I, I don't want that. And I don't want to cast judgment on him based on solely that interview. And I think a lot of people watched that yesterday and were a bit like, well, if you're not committed, then see you later, mate. But we have to get the right price. We have to get the right money. And we're not a charity case. This is Arsenal Football Club. You know, we've spent an awful lot of money. We're going to need to bring some money in if we're going to continue that spend. Uh, and if we want to sort of make the books look that little bit more uh, healthy moving forward, which I'm sure is something the owners of the club will want, uh, whether they'd admit that publicly or not. Um, yeah, uh, let's um, let's move forward from that. Following Balogun, though, not exactly committal uh, to, to life at Arsenal. Uh, Junior Gunner says, thoughts on Rory's comments made on Talksport earlier. Gets a lot of stick, but I thought he was bang 
on the money. Which which bit are you talking about exactly? Because I'm going to share a little bit with you. Uh, hold on. I, will I get struck off for, for playing this? I, I, honestly, I don't know and I don't care. Uh, I'm going to play it anyway because this was, yeah. Right, let's have a look. Let me share this with you guys. Hold on, because I responded to this on Twitter, which I'm sure you've seen, which is why you're asking me about this in the first place. Anyway, um, as you know, I've been on the TalkSport uh, show quite a bit over the summer, uh, the Transfer Insiders, uh, which is hosted by two good friends of mine, Rory Jennings and Ade Oladipo. Rory and Ade were talking about um, uh, talking about the Kai Havertz signing and somehow... I was brought into the equation. Have a listen to this. A lot of people aren't being honest, but yeah, you're right. It doesn't. Remember, we had Harry Simeon, and he was like, "Was a great player at Chelsea." Stop no, and, and, said, and, and then he tried. Then he tried to pretend that he was saying that while he was at Chelsea, yeah, was like, as if Harry. Arsenal fans last season were constantly complimenting Kai Havertz. <laughs> yeah. Kai Havertz missing open goals at Chelsea, <laughs> and Arsenal fans are going, "God, we love him at Arsenal." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. There's been a total and utter rewriting of history. Completely. Yeah, we've always admired him. We've always thought Kai Havertz is the right player. Talking to me and you, I think they said. Yeah, but you've you got to look at your time at Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, I know. I was like, what? Yeah, I know. You just, you just skipped three and a half three years of Chelsea. Just skip that. Three years of Chelsea. Yeah. But no, what, what, Robbie, what Robbie said there was true, though. Robbie saying that bringing in Kai Havertz... Anyway, I, I don't know if you heard that. I hope you heard that. But basically, again, we're doing all this live. Basically, what they were saying is that Arsenal fans are rewriting history and that we are basically saying that Kai Havertz is a great player because he's joined Arsenal. And I responded to that tweet because that is not the truth. Not in my case. I can't speak for others, but I, I responded to the tweet and I said, you can go back as far as 2020 to hear me talking about how talented I think Kai Havertz is. And I even released a podcast, which you guys will know, a couple of days before the news broke that Arsenal had approached Chelsea, in which I said I felt he was worth trying to sign. There are receipts for my comments on Kai Havertz. This is not one I've just jumped on the bandwagon of. Um, and, uh, yeah, that to me was a bit like, come on, man, you know, that's not the case. Why are you saying that on air? Why are you bringing me into the conversation as if, um, I I've, I've sort of changed opinions overnight and sort of just jumped on a bandwagon. You guys know better than anybody that listen to this and watch this regularly, uh, that I admire Kai Havertz. I did before we signed him and I will continue to do so. And fingers crossed he can deliver and, um, and bring uh, success to to Arsenal and and on a personal level for him as well because I think uh, he really does have to um, pick it up. But I think Arsenal is is the right uh, is the right environment uh, for him to do that. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Let's talk Nicolas Pepe because of course there is interest in him. Uh, interest in see what Arsenal are going to do with Nicolas Pepe this summer because. You know, he's a player that obviously we signed for big money. He was our record signing prior to Declan Rice coming in. £72 million, a lot of money. A lot was made of that fee. It just hasn't worked out. He went out on loan uh, last season to uh, France. He went over to Nice. And if I bring up the statistics uh, from last season, it didn't go great for him at Nice. You know, it didn't. Injuries were a problem for him. Uh, as we found out, um, you know, he managed just 19 appearances uh, for Nice in Liga and six goals, which is not disastrous by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, what, just, it's just outside of one goal in three, one assist on the board. Um, but Liga and was, uh, you know, it wasn't a great return for him because 
when it got to January, up till January, he was doing all right. He scored one, two, three, four, five, all six of his goals, all six of his league goals up to January. And then he picked up a knee injury, which saw him miss the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. Then he returned for three games and then he missed another eight between then and the end of the season. So injuries were a real, real problem for Nicolas Pepe. Obviously, he is back at Arsenal right now. He's not on the US tour, as we know, but that is due to fitness issues. Um, his contract with the club expires in around about a year's time. So it's kind of now or never for Arsenal if they're going to get any money for Nicolas Pepe. No real bites in terms of interest in him from European clubs at this moment in time. And I'd imagine that's down to the fact that people know how much we paid for him and know that we're probably going to set our stall in terms of what we want to get in just that little bit higher than maybe represents good value for a buying club at this stage. But interestingly, James Bench from CBS Sports uh, spoke yesterday or reported yesterday that there is interest in Nicolas Pepe from Saudi Arabia. However, there is a big, big disparity between what Nicolas Pepe wants in terms of salary and what the Saudis are willing to pay him at the moment. And that's mad. Like, how bad have you got to be for the Saudis to not want to pay big money for you. They are literally going around hoovering up players from European football, overpaying for every single one of them. Yet Nicolas Pepe isn't someone that they're willing to go that extra mile for. That just shows you, and I, I don't mean that in a sort of derogatory way to Nicolas Pepe. I'm not trying to dig the guy out. I think actually some of the treatment he's had has been a little bit unfair. He wasn't at fault for him sort of being transferred for £72 million. If anything, it was because he looked good. Uh, that he was uh, sort of sold for that kind of money or purchased for that kind of money. But it just shows you how much his star has fallen. If even they won't pay, even they won't push the boat out to bring him in uh, through the door. But anyway, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, no move for Nicolas Pepe at the moment. There is interest from Saudi Arabia, but whether there'll be uh, a sort of coming together in terms of the point that Nicolas Pepe is at, with regards to the wages he wants and where Saudi are currently at. If there'll be some sort of coming together, some sort of meeting in the middle, then maybe uh, we'll see a deal happen. But at the moment, that's not uh, a possibility or at the moment, that's not in progress. Also elsewhere, uh, we've been linked with Moises Caicedo in midfield since January. Uh, a lot of us feel that with Declan Rice coming in, that looks unlikely. A lot of us felt, myself included, and I actually got a little bit of heat for this, that Arsenal would only be able to go out and get one or the other, Rice or Caicedo. The likelihood of Riceado joining us was always going to be uh, quite low, I thought. You know, it's a lot of money. I, I know we've spent a lot of money, but I just felt that that was just going beyond what the club were probably willing or even able to do, given the other positions that needed addressing as well. Chelsea have had an offer today uh, or earlier this week, rejected an offer of £70 million. Now, Brighton have made it clear for months that they want £100 million for Moises Caicedo. They rate him in the same bracket as Declan Rice. They believe that if Declan Rice is worth £100-plus million, Moises Caicedo is too. Chelsea made an offer, which they say is that, or, or the report says is their second offer. Brighton say it's the first offer. So I don't know who's lying. We don't know who's telling the truth. But it's for £70 million with no add-ons. Where is the same energy for Chelsea that Arsenal were met with? It's an insulting offer. It's a derisory offer. All of the rest of it. Where is that same energy when it comes to Chelsea? 
It's just not there, is it? It is just not there. Uh, and it's interesting. It's funny that because the narrative around Arsenal lately um, just sort of really highlights for me how much Arsenal have improved as a team. The fact that people seem to dislike us again, the fact that people are looking for any reason to, to sort of get on our backs is just, yeah, it's, it's mad. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to me that we're kind of in this world now where Chelsea can do something and it's like, oh yeah, whatever, it's fine. Brighton are greedy. Um, but then if Arsenal do it, it's, oh, Arsenal are, are taking the piss here. Arsenal are out of order. All the rest of it drives me mad. It really, really does. Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's that. So Moises Caicedo, we think uh, the subject of serious Chelsea interest, but how long that's going to take to get over that. Look, I think it will get done for what it's worth, but where they'll meet in terms of the price, I don't know. I think Chelsea would look silly if they don't end up getting him because of how much they clearly need uh, a midfield player. Um, I also wanted to just touch on, uh, we're going to touch on Arteta's comments in a minute, but just wanted to give you guys a couple of quick messages before we continue on with the show. The first one being, guys, if you haven't already, please leave a like on the video. It really, really, really does help. Also, subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new as we continue on our journey towards 30,000 YouTube subscribers. I'd love to get there sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, so subscribe, like, all the rest of it. You know the drill by now. I am considering, I don't know if I'm going to do this yet because I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it because I'm an old man these days. But I, I'm interested to know if you guys would be interested in this because if people are interested, then that'll probably push me a little bit more to do this. If they're not, then I won't do it. Um, but MLS All-Stars game coming up Thursday. July 20th, 1.30 a.m. UK time. Would you guys be interested in a live stream in like a watch along of this one? The time is wild and I'm going to have to sleep before it. The time is truly wild. 1.30 a.m. That means I'll be doing a stream from 1.30 a.m. slightly before until 3.30 a.m. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. I'm not making any promises on that. I'm not making any promises on that. I'll think about it. Um, I'll think about it. Is there, I'm just looking as well. Like the game is not on arsenal.com. Um, Arsenal don't have a stream of that. You'd imagine that the MLS uh, have, um, have the rights to this. So might have to um, do something to give people a, a way of sort of keeping across the action. Um, but I'm just, I'm just reading the comments about this. It's so, so funny. Um, Deadstone says, you're old, Harry. I'm 49. Mate, I've got two kids under the age of five. I feel like I'm 80 at the moment. I have to say that they're, they're keeping me on my toes. They're keeping me tired. All the rest of it. Um, what else have we got? Junior Gunner's interested. Chris is interested. Jason's interested. He'll be watching it from work. Steve, with some sound advice, says, no, give it a miss, Harry. Look after yourself. You're right. Uh, Jonathan says, nope, got work in the morning. Uh, BX Gunner says, Harry, I think it's for is yet correct. Uh, Johan says, I wouldn't risk it. NSW says, uh, it's, it's too early. It's on Apple TV, apparently. Uh, Angela says, 10.30 a.m. here. Brilliant time. Uh, Earfan says, let's do it. And Chev says, 100%. I'm not promising anything, but I will think about it. I will think about it. Um, but yeah, uh, 
anyway, this is the thing, right? I can't commit. I can't commit if you're not going to commit. NSW says, I can't promise I'd be there because of the time, but it's a cool idea and I may wake up to see it. Well, I'm not going to do it for people to maybe wake up and watch it. We're either going to do this together or we're not going to do it at all. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Um, okay, we're going to talk Mikel Arteta in a minute, as I say, um, and we're going to reflect on some of his comments coming out of the preseason tour. But uh, first of all, we're going to take a really, really short pause once again. I'm going to bring you a couple of messages uh, about some other bits and pieces, and then we'll get onto that before wrapping up with some of your questions. Be right back. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Hey, everybody. How's it going? Okay. Uh, first update is there is a new blog out over on, yep, the chronicles of aguna.com. If you haven't checked out our website yet, what are you waiting for? We're going to start publishing the episodes uh, on there as well. Um, the link to this blog, if you go to the community tab uh, on uh, the YouTube channel, which you will be watching this on or you won't be watching this on. You might be listening to this on. You will find a link to my latest blog, which I put out today. And the blog is basically a guide to coping with the rising levels of expectation around the Arsenal. Everybody's saying it. Arsenal have to do this. Arsenal have to do that. Arsenal need to go on and win it. All the rest of it. Yeah, fine. OK, we've spent a lot of money. There is an added pressure now on Arsenal and on Mikel Arteta to go out and deliver and bring the glory days back to Emirates Stadium. I don't think anybody denies that. But there are three key rules here uh, for me, and I, I don't want to spoil them too much. I'll give you the headlines. Number one is enjoy it. Number two, take the hate that we're getting as a compliment. And number three, remember what's important. But for more on that, if you want to understand how I'm going to cope with the new season, then check out my blog, thechroniclesofaguna.com, and you'll find it all there. Um, I think it's a decent read. But I'm biased, aren't I? So uh, you go over there. You let me know. And uh, you um, give me your uh, thoughts in the comment section after this video is over um, so that I can actually check them and read them. Because the live chat stuff doesn't stay unless I replay the live chat and then I have to go through it and pick stuff out. And it takes an absolute age. Anyway, uh, let's get on to uh, Mikel Arteta, who's been speaking. He's been very, very complimentary of Declan Rice, of his aura, of his character, of his leadership, of his experience and all the rest of it. And he called him a lighthouse. Interesting. <laughs> but I, I see what he's saying. I, I see where he's where he's coming from with that. Uh, Nicola Teta does think a little bit outside the box sometimes, doesn't he, with his words and with his sort of psychology and all the rest of it. Um but yeah, you know, he, you can tell from the way he talks about Declan Rice and he talks about loads of his players in glowing terms. But you really felt when he was speaking about Declan Rice that there was a lot in that. Like he's over the moon that he's been able to get him in the door. And you better believe it. Mikel Arteta really, really pushed for this deal. And even though the money that we had to pay was probably a little bit too much in most people's eyes. Mikel Arteta really does truly believe that this player is going to be a linchpin of future success, that he's going to be the centre, the epicentre of whatever it is that Mikel Arteta wants Arsenal to become. Not just because of what he brings on the pitch, but because of what he brings off it. And you look at all the pictures. We've talked about the interviews already, how brilliant he's come across. But you look at how he seems to be getting involved with the group, 
seems to be making friends left, right and centre. Uh, he's already got friends within the Arsenal camp from the England camp, which is obviously a good starting point because it means that you're not kind of going in as the new guy. Um, you've got a core around you of players that, you know, you already know, which makes it that little bit more comfortable naturally. But he looks like the kind of person that could make friends with a wall. Like, he just comes across as that type of character. And I think Mikel is delighted that he's got him in. And I cannot wait to see him in an Arsenal shirt. Uh, I really can't, which is why I'm tempted to do that stream at 1.30 a.m. I'll watch the game anyway. Um, maybe we'll just watch it and talk about it in the morning. I don't know. We'll see. But if we do do the stream, then you have to tune in. Otherwise, I'll be gutted if I do it and nobody's on it. Uh, but anyway... We've been over that already. Um, so he's talked glowingly about Declan Rice. Really, really enjoyed those comments. I beg your pardon. Um, he's also, though, been speaking about transfers. He was asked, um, as he would be, around what is coming, like what is, um, you know, he was asked about what we can expect for the rest of the window. And although Mikel didn't give anything away, he didn't exactly shut the idea of bringing more players in down, did he? He kind of hinted at the fact that although maybe there's not any clear plans in place or, or any specific plans in place with regards to what they might do in terms of further incomings, he kind of suggested that Arsenal will be ready and waiting to take any opportunities that arise. You know, sometimes you get this in a transfer window. Sometimes you get what's called like a domino effect where one player leaves one club, that means that that club then need to look for someone else, which can then open the door to someone else uh, becoming available and all the rest of it. And sometimes you can benefit from other clubs' business, causing almost a chain reaction and, and sparking events that lead to you getting an opportunity that maybe you didn't feel was there at the start of the window. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see if Arsenal do go and bring more in. He did talk about outgoings as well. I think outgoings is where Arsenal's head's at. At this moment in time, there are a few players that they'll want to get out, that they'll want to get off the wage books. They're probably itching for a move themselves because uh, they'll want to be guaranteed more game time. They'll want to be more involved and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's 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 going to be fascinating, I think, to see how the rest of the window goes. I think we'll get at least one more in. I really, really do. And not because I know that, not because I have any inside knowledge. That's literally a gut feeling of mine. Um, and I think that if Mikel Arteta was adamant that he had the squad that he wanted completely now, he, he probably would have said something like, well, you know, uh, we're really happy with the business we've done. We've got the players in, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, that's it now. We're going to work with what we got. But he didn't. You know, he left that door open, which is interesting, I think. So, yeah, watch this space. We might get more uh, in between now and the end of the window. But you do feel that there need to be some outgoings as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if those come first. And if Arsenal do do any further business, that comes right towards the back end of the window where people get a little bit desperate. The domino effect can have created an opportunity, as I say. And um, and you're then at that point being maybe more reactive than proactive. We've been really proactive at the start of the window. There comes a point in the window, I think, where if you've done your priority business, you flip from proactive mode to reactive mode, and that's absolutely fine. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. OK, that's kind of everything I think I wanted to touch on uh, on today's show. So we're going to round it off last 10 minutes or so with you guys' questions. So start getting them in uh, the live chat box. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. You know the drill by now. That's the other thing. 
that I needed to tell you. Hold on. I'm, I can't believe I forgot this because I'm so excited about it. It's terrible of me uh, to forget about it. Hold on a second. Let me bring up the link so that I can show you guys on the screen. One second. Let's uh, mute that. Hold on. Where are we? Where are we? Here we go. So uh, as you guys know, um, I absolutely love working with Tom Canton uh, of the Guna Talk TV. He is brilliant at his job. Fantastic at what he does. We've been on a similar journey in that, although he's uh, more a written journalist than I am, he's a much better writer than I could ever be. Um, we've been on a similar journey. You know, we have YouTube channels slash podcasts. We were doing other jobs, had different careers that we didn't really feel were our calling necessarily. And we managed to make that transition through the communities that we've built on YouTube and, and via podcasts to to doing this as full-time and doing this as a job. And Tom, I've got so much admiration and respect for. Recently hit 50,000 YouTube subscribers. Now, to celebrate that, Tom is holding, yep, a live podcast, a live podcast event coming up uh, not a million miles away from Emirates Stadium. And it's the day after the opening day of uh, the Premier League season. So the Guna Talk live podcast, uh, doors open at 5 p.m. The show starts at 6. Seating is on a first-come, first-served basis. Uh, the tickets are £22. Um, and Tom is going to announce who the rest of the panel is uh, for this live podcast. But I can tell you that I'm one of them. Uh, so I am going to be on the panel Delighted to go down there and support Tom with this event. We're going to be sitting there. We're going to be taking your questions. We're going to be talking Arsenal. I'm sure we're going to be reflecting uh, on the summer window, but also also on our first game of the season, which takes place the day before. It's a really, really good time to do this. Really looking forward to it. And if you want to get your tickets, because they are going to sell out, uh, knowing Tom, then go down uh, to the description. There is a link there. You can get over there and, uh, and you can... Um, you can uh, book your ticket, basically. OK, uh, well, I'll leave that on the screen for those of you that want to have a little read while we take some of uh, the question. Um, Slingshot Dave says, do you know what Victoria Concordia Crescent means? Of course, that used to be on Arsenal's old logo, Latin, I believed, uh, not just the translation. Do you think many fans do? It means victory through harmony, uh, from what I remember. Um, yeah, I think plenty of fans know that. I don't think that's a, a massive secret, is it? Uh, William Salibak says, Harry, with Fofana rupturing his ACL, has he? Uh, and Chelsea having to sign another centre-back. Can we sell Holdini to them for 20 million and then go and get Caicedo for 40 million plus Balogun? Interesting that you bring up the Balogun thing because Brighton are one of the clubs that are supposedly credited with an interest in, uh, in Balogun. So is there a deal to be done there? Nah, I don't think so. I think Caicedo is seen as such a a big asset that they'll want to get cash money in for him, um, for sure. Guns and Yellow Ribbons, big hello to the guys over there. Make sure you check them out. Fantastic Arsenal podcast. Uh, go over to Guns and Yellow Ribbons by clicking on their name. I think you can do that uh, in the YouTube chat. Correct me if I'm wrong. It should take you over to their channel. Uh, they say, score the business we have done so far out of 10. And how many do you expect to leave in this window? I'd score the business so far at an eight. Um, because I think we've addressed the one defensive uh, sort of player that we needed uh, in terms of the position. We needed that right centre-back cover, but Timber brings you so much more than that because he can play right back, right centre-back, also frees up Ben White. I think we needed to do it because we have 
concerns, shall we say, about Tommy Asu's ability to stay fit as well. So that that was a top bit of business. We needed a top midfielder. We've brought in a game-changing midfielder. So that's really, really good business too. Kai Havertz, we think, is going to play in midfield. Um, the reason I can't give it more than an eight is because I'm unsure about Kai Havertz playing in that midfield role. I'm not unsure about his talent. I think he's a fantastic player. I'm fine with Arsenal signing him. In fact, I wanted them to sign him. But I just wonder if that role is the right role for him. I'm kind of at the point now where I'm almost trusting Mikel with that, but I'm not totally convinced in my own mind about that. So eight out of 10 for me in terms of the window so far. I think if we got one more, then you could go as far as saying it's a 10 out of 10, depending on who that is. We're very, very close to having another good summer. And our summers seem to be getting better and better and better under Arteta, under Edu, under the ownership. And it's great. How many do I expect to leave? I think Lakonga will leave, maybe on loan, if not permanently. I think Tavares will go. I think that Balogun might go. And I think that Marquinhos might go. Um, that's at least four. Maybe you're talking five. Look, I'm, I don't think we're close to agreeing anything with regards to Partey, although Sky Sports, Damesh Seth earlier today was reporting that if a good offer came in, Arsenal would be open to it. Lots of talk about Kieran Tierney towards the back end of last season, but nothing's come up as of yet with him. I think you're probably talking about five, six in total, uh, leaving the football club. That's where I'm at on that. Okay. Uh, what else have we got in the live chat box? Uh, um, Chris says, uh, where do you see Rice's long-term position, Harry? Uh, I, th I think six. Um, I think six. I would personally keep a hold of Partey and play him as an eight for now. Uh, but I think based on something I read the other day um, from um, David Ornstein, I think it was from from The Athletic, there's the sell to Declan Rice has been you're going to play as a six. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, Leslie says, unfortunately, she can't make it because she's driving to Ireland uh, that day. She can't make the live show. Wish it were the evening of the match. Have a word with Tom. It's out of order on Tom's part. You know, he really should have done it. I mean, I'm just kidding. It's unfortunate, but I'm sure there'll be other opportunities. Um, you know, there's no reason why if it doesn't go well, we we can't do another one uh, as well later down the line. Deadstone uh, says he lives in Edinburgh now. Uh, it's a long old way to come to listen to me and Tom chat about Arsenal. I agree. <laughs> and the rest of the panel as well, because there's, um, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of panelists apparently. Some really, really good ones on the list. Uh, what else have we got? Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, Dan Morphy is only giving the window a six so far. Says still need to get rid of the average journeyman. I agree that there's players we need to get rid of. I'd get rid of Holding. I'd probably get rid of El Nini. I, I, I don't disagree with that, but are they causing us a problem? Not if we have the depth that means that they don't need to play. In which case, why would I unnecessarily hate them or, or point at them? You've put Jorginho in there or, or in a comment further down the chat, which I think is nonsense. I think Jorginho has been really good for Arsenal, actually. Much better than anybody expected. And people that were super critical of that signing have had to eat humble pie on Jorginho. So uh, I'm not I'm not having Jorginho uh, in that, uh, not having him in that at all. Uh, Robbie joins us. Uh, he says he's uh, joined us from Idaho. 
stoked to catch us live. Good to see you, mate. Uh, thank you for joining us. He says, how likely is it that Tierney stays? At this moment in time, I think it's very likely. Um, I was listening to someone speak about it yesterday. I think it might have been Charles Watts uh, who was talking about sort of the fact that for, for Kieran Tierney to leave Arsenal, somebody's going to need to match the wages he's on make it worth his while in that sense, plus give Arsenal a significant fee. And there isn't really that many clubs that can do that, certainly not outside of the Premier League. And I think that was in response to people maybe asking if a return to Celtic was on the cards. Newcastle, we thought were interested, but it doesn't seem like they're ready to make a move. Looks as though, if you believe the reports, they're looking at alternative options, maybe because of those financial reasons that I've just highlighted. Some people have suggested Aston Villa. I don't want to sell him to Aston Villa and Unai Emery, although obviously the two clearly know each other and maybe that plays a part. I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. But at this moment in time, there isn't a deal close, just like there isn't with Thomas Partey. And that's why, although I'm not saying that the reporting around Thomas Partey is completely inaccurate, I'm not saying that he's definitely categorically 100% staying, I am a little bit wary of some of this Partey chat because it's all very vague and none of it really um, seems to have any substance to it in terms of detail. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Okay. Uh, I am going to leave it there, I think. Uh, we've been going for nearly an hour. Uh, a big thank you to everybody uh, who has, of course, uh, listened into the show. Uh, means so much. I'm really, really grateful for your time. Uh, really, really grateful for all the wonderful interaction in the comments as well. Uh, we're going to say our goodbyes. I'll see you all tomorrow with another piece of content. Um, if you've got any questions for tomorrow's show, then please do leave them uh, in the comments section below uh, once this video finishes, because that allows me to go on and retrieve them. But yeah, um, looking forward to the next one. Maybe we'll have some uh, further updates on Partey on Balogun, perhaps on Nicolas Pepe too. Uh, we'll be getting ready, of course, for that MLS All-Stars game, which is coming up uh, in a very, very short while. It's Thursday morning, 1.30 UK time. So it's kind of Wednesday night in the UK. So tomorrow night, basically, for us. But depending on where you are in the world, that works differently. Check the Arsenal website. If you log on from your browser, you should be able uh, to work it out. Anyway, I'll see you all next time. Until then, take care of yourselves. Goodbye and up the Arsenal. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.